Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Christopher Turner, and I am your host. Uh, today, let's see, it looks like it's July 20th, 2022, um, and I'm happy to be back on here. It's been about a week since my last episode, guys, um, and I want to roll right into it because last episode, uh, we talked, it was a fairly emotional one for me, you know, um, it was the first time being back on in a while, and uh, here, especially listening to myself back, hearing myself back, I really... Uh, took some things from it, I guess is the best way to put it. So I hope you did as well. But looking forward, I wanted to kind of expand on some of the things I've been experiencing the last week or so. Um, this has been a really, 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 really tough time in my life. Um, I don't know how all of you are feeling out there, uh, but I hope that if you're going through a tough time right now, um, that you're keeping yourself grounded and that you're recognizing that you're not alone. Uh, and that feeling of loneliness, I think, is something that I want to key on today. An idea I want to key on is the idea of loneliness. I want to pull that apart. Um, because loneliness is a very uncomfortable feeling. We talked a little bit about it in last episode, but it's a feeling that we don't often, um, try to dive into because it feels nasty. It feels icky. You know, um, it's scary. And so when we feel the feeling of loneliness, we usually run away from it. Uh, but when we do that, it doesn't give us the opportunity to really look at the emotion and see what it is. What is the feeling of lonely? Uh, Because that tells us that it can tell us where it comes from, you know, and then it can speak to a deeper uh, level of consciousness inside of us. uh, What, what our, our subconscious is trying to tell us. Um, I think our emotions are windows into the subconscious in a way. Uh, And that when you feel an emotion, um, or I've found at least one of the big realizations I've had over the last year and a half is that I didn't understand what a lot of emotions were when I would feel them. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you, you hear about emotions like anxiety and fear and what, like, um, anger and resentment and bitterness, right? And some of those we're really familiar with, like anger, everybody knows what anger feels like inside, right? But, um, I think the reason we are so familiar with anger is because when you give into anger, excuse me, when you allow anger, um, to kind of possess you in that way, um, it feels good. So it's not as scary. It's not as scary to become intimately acquainted with the feeling of anger and allowing that that energy to really embody you. Um, but when it comes to feelings of like loneliness, uh, for example, our reaction is different. It doesn't feel good to put, have the feeling of loneliness possess you. Uh, it feels deeply uncomfortable. I would argue, and I think what I'm going to try to do in this episode is describe why I think it's one of the most fundamental pains we can feel. And I'm not sure, but I think that it might be one of the spiritual roots for for fear. You know, we have um, we have this idea of, uh, you know, fear having a practical place. You know, I feel like when we talk about the emotion of fear, it's usually described in more of a scientific or biological. Um, perspective. Uh, at least it's, it's, you know, it's practicality. When you try to describe it practically, we'll describe it how, how evolutionarily it benefited people, right? Um, we can look in the brain and see when people feel afraid, what parts of the brain are activated. And then we can kind of um, reverse engineer that in a way and try to understand why, um, how fear serves us practically. And I think what we come to is something like the fight or fight, flight response. Fear is something that's uh, built into the human being to keep us alive, 
right? To keep us constantly searching for what could hurt us so that we don't uh, unintentionally hurt ourselves or other people, um, right? It's a protective mechanism, a uh, piece of software of sorts that I think is the best way you've described it up until this point. But there's a, there's a spiritual aspect to everything too, right? Um, as above, so below. So what does what is the purpose of... And if it exists, it has a purpose. So what's the purpose of the feeling of loneliness then, spiritually? Because it's not, it's not to just make you feel alone, right? So that's what I'm going to dive into today. And I hope that's interesting to you. But before we get into all of that, um, I'm going to, like I said, I'm kind of playing with the, uh, um, the structure of the podcast. And I really enjoyed doing the cards last time. But I thought that there were, the only, only criticism I had for myself was I thought they were kind of out of place um, at the end of the reading. I thought it might be better to do it at the beginning of the reading so we can set the intention and then go into... Uh, go into the rest of the reading. We might get some more hints on, on what we should focus on too. So let's start this journey this morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to this, guys. Um, I'm going to start us off with our Buddha saying. So out of my Buddha book here, the saying of the Buddha, Reflections for Every Day by William Ray. Um, I intuitively picked a page right before coming on here. It is 7.11 a.m. where I am too, uh, by the way. So if uh, 7.11 is a number that keeps on popping up for you, look that number up. Um, it's a significant number. Why don't I look it up, actually? That's a good point. Maybe that's what we're supposed to start with, huh? I think the angels are already getting going here. All right, 711, angel number. So if you're ever curious and you see a number, repeating number, angel numbers are what they're called spiritually, and you can look them up on Google, and there's just a there's a treasure trove worth of um, advice out there in the form of angel numbers uh, that you can you can tap into if you start looking. Angel number 711 is a sign from higher spiritual entities that your affirmations, your desires, and visions are on the verge of becoming a reality. Based on your current situation, it may be also a sign that you need to work towards spiritual development instead of focusing on the materialistic aspects of life. So, I think uh, if we take it into the context of what we were just talking about, right? Um, Focusing on the spiritual side of, let's say, loneliness, right? Uh, And trying to understand more deeply um, what it means to us spiritually is actually part of the process of manifesting what we want material in the material world. Um, doing the spiritual work is what gets you to a place where you can manifest properly. Uh, let's see what else 7-Eleven has for us. I like to go to um, I think it's Sacred Scribe Angel Numbers. Is it? There's one of these pages I go to often. Yeah, it's this one. Um, it says, Angel Number 7-Eleven is a powerful spiritual message from the angelic and spiritual realms. Pay special attention to your thoughts and ideas as they are revealing the answers to your prayers and are giving you intuitive guidance in regards to the next steps on your divine life path. Angel number 711 can suggest that new information or news of a positive nature is on its way, so listen to your intuition and heed its guidance. There may be some new opportunities for you to put your natural psychic and spiritual abilities to good use in service of those who need it. Your talents are unique to you, and it is your responsibility to use them for your highest good of all. Believe in yourself, your intuitive messages, and your inner promptings, and trust that your angels support you in your spiritual pursuit and endeavors. Angel number 711 brings a message that you are doing a great job and are on the right life path, and you are encouraged to continue along as you are. Angel number 711 is a sign that you have chosen your thoughts well and have made wise choices and decisions. You are reminded also... That emotion of gratitude will speed the process of your manifestation, so remember to acknowledge and be grateful for all the blessings entering your life. So that's quite a bit, right? But um, in essence, for me, I take that as on an individual level as what I'm doing here, talking about spirituality, talking about psychic gifts, and 
quite possibly looking into loneliness at a spiritual level and trying to decompress it is something, this is letting me know that I'm on the right track. Now for you, you're hearing it, it means the message is also for you. So you have to kind of read between the lines and see what that means for you as well. Um, but in general, it means you're on the right path. By doing what you're doing right now, by listening to this, you're doing the right thing. You're engaging at a spiritual level. You're uh, tapping into your psychic abilities at some level, even if it's at a very basic one, and you're starting that journey if nothing else. So you should be very proud of yourself. And the best way to speed up this process of waking up or of learning about yourself or becoming a more fulfilled spiritual being is to remember that there's a lot to be grateful for wherever you are, regardless of your situation, even if you are in the middle of the dark night of the soul. Okay, so that's how we're going to start it off. 7-Eleven, thank you, angels, guides, guardians, ancestors, whoever brought that to me. Thank you. <laughs> and um, the page I've opened up to today in the book is 48 and 49. Um, and the first page I thought was really interesting. So let's read this one. It goes, The secession or the cessation of craving successfully leads to that of grasping, of becoming, of birth, of old age and death, of grief, lamentation, pain, sadness, and despair. The cessation of craving successfully leads to that of grasping, of becoming, of birth, of old age and death, of grief, lamentation, pain, sadness, and fear. This one really hit me hard when I read it this morning because um, the cessation of craving, what does that mean? The cessation of craving. Well, if we're seceding something, we're giving something up, right? So we're trying to give up the feeling of craving. And what is the feeling of craving inside? What does it feel like? I mean, we all know what it feels like inside, but what is it? Right? So in order to, to give something up, we have to figure out what it is and we have to go into that feeling of craving. Let yourself feel the craving. How do you feel the craving? Well, by not having what you want, right? You have to feel how badly you want that. And it actually lets you let go of things. You feel how hard you're trying to grasp onto something. You know, it, 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 I think what this is saying is when, if you can let go of the feeling of craving, if you focus on letting go of the feeling of craving, what we will do it, it leads you down a path of recognizing that you're holding on to a lot of things of, of the idea of birth and death, of old age, of grief, of pain, of sadness and despair, that you're, you're holding on to these things as part of a craving, a certain fundamental craving. And what is that craving? I have a feeling it's loneliness, a feeling of insecurity, a deep spiritual insecurity. Now, uh, the second page, page 65, or I'm sorry, page 49, I don't know why 65, but 717 right now when I say that, so maybe 65 is relevant for somebody, but um, the second page goes, many do not know that we are here in this world to live in harmony. Those who know this do not fight against each other. So, many do not know that we are here in this world to live in harmony. Those who know this do not fight against each other. We want to be in harmony with each other. You know, we all speak of everybody on, on a surface level, I think, agrees that we would all like to see a world that was peaceful. Right. It's definitely cliche and overused by <laughs> model after model at a you know, Miss America pageant. You know, I want world peace. But truly, deeply, I think people do want that. 
Um, you do. Your soul wants that. We don't want the conflict that we see in the world. We want harmony. We are brought into this world in a, in a, in harmony with ourselves and the universe, and we get out of harmony with it as we grow up. Grow up. Quotation marks. Right. We grow down as we grow up. <laughs> uh, we lose. We lose that connection. Right. And so, um, as we lose the connection, we start to fight with each other. Because this world starts to look like a finite place that you have to compete over. It looks like a place where you have to earn your way, like society tells you you do. And if you want something, you have to, like we talked about last episode, leverage it, push on it, make some mechanism to make it happen. There's no way you can get what you want just by putting out the intention, which isn't true. It's the opposite. The way you get things is by putting out the intention but putting out what you expect to receive and then being open enough to actually receiving it and not pushing it away. That's the other tricky part. So, uh, I like that, that starting off point. So let's, let's move on. I've got a couple other cards to get through and then we'll get on to the topic of loneliness. So, um, as before I pulled one card, an Oracle card, and I pulled three tarot cards for you today. Um, and I actually initially was just pulling them for me. And then once I'd pulled them, uh, you know, my guides told me that it was for you guys as well. So, I guess we are all on the same page right now, which is usually how it works. Um, what I'm feeling is generally what I'm channeling from you as well. So uh, let's see where we're at. The Oracle card we have today is Autumn. And it's from the same deck I used uh, last week, Angels and Ancestors Oracle cards. You can find these on Amazon. Very nice deck. Um, my first decks I ever bought, actually. But on the card, it has a picture of... Um, autumn it's 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 titled autumn the card is and it says release the old and rest and on the picture there's a it looks like a, a dream catcher but in the center is leaves and a crow or a black raven actually uh and it says release the old and rest so when i think about autumn when i think about autumn i think about um well that releasing what's what's old what's done what's the growth that has no longer serves you right um and I think about kind of a natural cycle, you know, I think about the seasons, obviously autumn's a season and, and it's something that happens recurringly. It always it keeps on happening, right? Every year we have an autumn and every year those leaves change color and every year they fall off. And so right now what this card is speaking of is the season you are in is the season of autumn. And on the surface level, many of you might say, I love autumn. It's beautiful leaves. You know, it's a beautiful time. The weather's perfect in most places. There's a lot of holidays that come up that people love in the autumn time. But if you break it down spiritually, autumn represents something that's maybe a little bit more painful for people because it is about releasing the old and resting. You know, it's about going into that, getting ready to go into the hibernation if you're thinking about it in the context of a bear, right? Getting, getting fattened up so that you can rest. Um, what I'm getting is that you've been you've been you've been doing some work. You've really been putting in some work, wherever it is. It could be in your spiritual life, it could be in your personal, you know, your physical life. It could be in terms of work, a job, a career, it could be in terms of your love life. But that you've been putting a lot of work in. You've gone through the other seasons, you've gone through spring, you know, you've gone through summer, you've gone through winter, and so you're back at fall and you're it's time for you to let go of the things that aren't serving you anymore. And so right now is a time to identify which leaves are dead and which leaves are, are going to stay. And usually, I guess in the, in the context of that metaphor, all the leaves fall. 
every year, right? There actually isn't one leaf that stays on the tree. You gotta shed it every year, just like a lizard sheds, sheds its skin. And so this time frame right now is about you shedding that skin, letting go of those leaves, getting down to bare bones, just the wood. What's the foundation, right? And resting on that. Finding solace in the simplicity. Recognizing you don't have to take care of those leaves right now. Time to take care of the leaves is over. This is the time for the tree to rest. Right? Really hard lesson to learn. Really hard lesson to learn. Really hard lesson to implement in your life. Especially if you're a go-getter. Maybe not as much in like the past times, you know, in older times. Or maybe if you live on an island somewhere, it's a little slower paced. But if you're in a metropolis, a modern city, slowing down and letting go is one of the hardest things you can do because you're you're intentionally ramped up you're distracted you know you're in that race that's why it's called a race right so embrace autumn you know i i think what i what keeps something to my head is imagine those leaves and imagine them falling you know picture those leaves falling off of you you know all of the negativity all of that pressure that you've felt through this last year through this last season you know you know let it go you know let the great mother take care of it you know let the earth take care of it i mean that's what happens with the leaves right you know the tree isn't big enough to de- to get rid of the leaves it doesn't go and sweep them up and go take them to a trash can right it just releases them to the great mother it just releases them to the earth Says, I don't know what to do with these anymore, but I know you do. You're, you're, you're more than I am. So please take these. And I trust that you'll give me the nutrients and the opportunity to bloom again. You know, it's that kind of release of control that I think is necessary right now for anybody that's listening. Release the control. Rest. Let yourself rejuvenate let yourself get ready for another season because there's another season coming and if you don't get ready that's the only way you don't have leaves kind of a thing you know what i mean so all right so that's your oracle card moving on i have three cards three tarot cards that i pulled for you um and like i said these were for me too so these are this is interesting Um, a lot of times as you get into the spiritual world you get into doing tarot readings and psychic you know you cultivate psychic gifts of any sort, you'll realize that a lot of what you feel, you know, when you get into the intuitive uh, business, I guess you could call it, um, when you pick something up, it, the way it resonates, the way you pick it up is actually through your own lived experience, right? Through your own trauma, through your own, you know, um, fears. So if you're afraid of something, um, I'm going to feel your fear through whatever I'm afraid of, right? Um, but you know, the, the common thread is the fear. So there's a way in which I can tap into what I'm feeling every day and then recognize that because we all are one, that I am connected to you fundamentally because we all are God uh, in a certain sense, that I can I know what you're going through because I can feel it because I can feel me, right? And if you're drawn to me or to listen to this, then you get I think you get the point. But that's what synchronicity is. It's how this works. It's not... It's not crazy. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have to say that. I feel like I have to keep on reaffirming um, because I know that there's a lot of 
it's very uncomfortable um, opening yourself up to some of these ideas because it doesn't feel real. It feels fake and it feels like somebody's manipulating you at times. And I can promise you that I'm not doing that. These messages are for you. If you want to take them, you can. If not, you can leave them there. So that being said, for some reason, I felt like I had to say that. So there might be somebody out there that was a little doubtful. Um, the next card I have is called the Eight of Pentacles. Um, and on this card, it shows uh, two people, a uh, male and a female, kind of teenage or maybe uh, young adults, um, working very hard on something. The male is kind of grasping onto some coins, three or four coins, and the female is sitting there forming more coins, right? And so um, in this, I see eight's a, eight's a symbol of the divine, you know, of, of, of the infinite as well. And so, um, and then it's a card of, it's a card of, of, the earth right of uh, that represents um the more earthly elements right uh pentacles being things that represent the physical world so um your home your uh, it could even represent your family right but the physical aspects of that um the things that make you feel physically abundant so a lot of times it could be your work uh and this card shows two people diligently working very hard um, and it says, learning all you can about a subject or a career, going back to school, taking a seminar, or finding a mentor, attention to detail and skilled work that you love. So this, the skilled work that you love is very, is something I'm keying on is, um, right now it's important to focus on the things that you love, the things that you're good at, right? Um, you know, being autumn, being a time to rest, uh, what rejuvenates you, what you, I mean, it's not, you're just going to go sleep for three months like a bear, right? What are you going to do while you're resting? It's like, well, this, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to go back to school or you're going to go take a seminar. Or you're going to learn or you can, but whatever it is that speaks to you, whatever you want to do, what do you want to do? You know, but often when we ask that question, it ends up being, oh, I want to watch TV right now, or I'd love to go see a movie, or I'd love to have that new shirt, or I'm really hungry. So maybe I can go grab a burrito. It's so shallow when we ask ourselves what we want, um, or what do we want to do? Uh, but when you really ask yourself, like at a fundamental level, what do I want to do for the news for this season for autumn? What do I want to do? Well, what do you like to do? What do you like to learn about? You know, this is a, this is a time for growth. This is a time for for cultivating something. So, um, for getting yourself ready for those things to blossom. So, you know, go back to what you love. Maybe maybe right now you're in kind of a grind and you're working really hard and 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 you're not finding much satisfaction out of it and you need to pivot that you know maybe you need to let go a little bit of the reins of of this traditional work that you're doing and transfer that into something that's more creative or more um that you know lights you up a little bit more um maybe something that isn't as, as monetarily beneficial but something that could really inspire you or other people um i think that's the kind of work this eight of pentacles is talking about and it also speaks of you already putting in work in this so i don't think this is necessarily something that you're unfamiliar with i think that you know there's there's a project or something that you've worked on very hard that you know what i'm talking about as i talk about it you're already thinking about it and that's that's what they want you to focus on that's what your guides are telling you to focus on while you're going through this autumn is hey you know, go back to what you know and what you enjoy and what you love and approach that from a point of somewhat practicality right but um but make, making sure that you're getting what you put in you know that reciprocation the next card i have is renewal um, and I'm going to read the new 
next two cards together because I think it's important. The, the, the two cards that I have are Renewal and Release. Now, these cards that I using right, I'm using right now are Angel Wisdom Tarot cards, right? Uh, and this, uh, these ones were by Dan Craig. Um, these ones are interesting because on each card they have an element and they have a saying. Like they'll, they'll have a little description, but they also in a picture. But they also have in the corner um, a angel, like the description of the angel that represents this energy. Which so um, this would be relative to you. This would be the angels that are trying to work with you right now, um, that are trying to come through, that are trying to help you. Uh, so I, I find it really helpful um, these cards to try to. Um, key me in when I'm lost or I feel like maybe I'm alone or lonely um, it's nice to have these cards because they can key you into the the real energies that are around you right now you know there's always energies around you your ancestors are always around you right you're the the, the you can always call on your loved ones that have passed you know you can always call on the ascended masters those those people that you you respected admire that have gone before us you know they're out there too their, their energies aren't gone nobody goes you know energy isn't created or destroyed it's just transformed right so death isn't a leaving and ending it's a transformation it's a release it's a renewal these two cards are release and renewal the first one is renewal and i believe this is archangel let me find this one in the card real quick guys because i want to oh i open to release maybe i should look release i want to find this real quick bear with me because it is a i want to figure out what angel we are referring to here um, uh, renewal, there it is. It's on page 90. So renewal is Archangel Jeremiel. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. <laughs> oh boy. Archangel Jeremiah. The name's um, significant for me for other reasons. So Archangel Jeremiah is known for helping you review your situations. You can choose your path you will take next. Discuss your thoughts and feelings honestly with those that you love. So this... This card speaks of, of, of being vulnerable, right? It says, The success that came with the sun card now invites the question, what's next? This is a time for review and reflection, renewal, release, and rest, right? Where have you come from? Where are you now, and where do you want to go? This is your time. You can be anything you want to be. You can fulfill any dream. However, as with any quest, you'll need to be able to clearly visualize where you want to go. You can't just accidentally arrive there. You'll need a spiritual map for the journey. Envision your happiest of futures. Bring the law of attraction to its zenith of power in your life. And when you have it figured out, then, and only then, take action. Until that time, peacefully develop awareness of flashes of inspiration and original creative ideas. These epiphanies are part of your life purpose and are meant to guide you on your way to joy. An additional meaning of this card is a job or a career change, an important milestone, a call to fulfill your destiny, releasing judgments of yourself and others, and understanding your life purpose, a landmark decision. All right, so that's the card of renewal. Right, and on the card, to give you a description of it, it has an angel, it looks like Jeremiah, um, robed in purple gowns. He has a purple halo around his head, and he's floating in the air in front of a family. Um man and a woman and a son and a daughter and they're both looking up at the angel um, kind of you can see peacefully and you can see that this 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 energy this angel is bringing up a, a feeling of peace of clarity you can see that in the card so the renewal is 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 as the as the card was saying it kind of went over there it's a time it's a time for you to reinvigorate yourself you know um 
re-envision what you want your life to look like and recognize that you can have that, you know, but it starts somewhere and it starts, you know, with the process of envisioning it. Uh, so often we get stuck in this, this idea of, well, we know that we have these big dreams, but we feel self-conscious about saying those big dreams because we feel like we aren't worthy enough to have them, right? And something that these cards are saying is, 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 is something that this card is saying is, is you need to, in order to, to get to this renewal phase, we need to release those kind of things, those, those beliefs, those old beliefs, those old leaves that make you believe that you're this thing and not that, that you're something that couldn't get there wherever your big dream is, right? Because it's not true. The only thing that's holding you back is your limiting belief that you can't get there. And you're not matching vibrationally what you want, so you don't have it, right? And you're also telling the universe in a weird way, I can't have that, I'm not good enough for that, right? Because of the insecurity, because that leaf you're not letting go of, you know? I would really, 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 I know what I want to have. Everybody, I really do believe this. Everybody knows deep down what they want. They'll tell you, I don't know what I want. But they know what they want. They're just scared of saying it. Just like I am, you know, I want to be a musician. I want to be a podcaster. You know, I've been scared of saying those things out loud. It's, it's trivial how scared you can be of saying something as trivial as that. Right. It's taken me 30 years to figure out that that's what I want to do. Right. What do you want to do that you haven't said? Because you were scared because you don't feel like you're enough. You know, that feeling of insufficiency it roots deeply to the feeling of loneliness. The other card I already kind of spoke of is release, and it has the angel of Azrael, which is the angel of death, traditionally in the, the pantheon of angels. Um, but to clarify this, so this would, in, in this deck, this really represents the death card. Now, most people in tarot, when they see a death card, um, get scared, right? Or they get a little, oh, ooh, this is why I don't like to do tarot, because what does that mean something going to die? It's like, no, it definitely doesn't mean that. Um, there's a context in which it could mean that, but it's definitely not now, right? So don't worry about that. Um, and almost never is the death card representative of a physical death. It's almost always representing somebody going through an ego death of some sort or there being a, a massive change representative of death in your life, you know, um, where something's completely transforming. It's really representative of total transformation is what death is. It's birth and death, not just death. So... Uh, this card is released, but it is symbolic of the death card, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful card. Most, you know, in some decks, the death card is something that's kind of morbid and, and dark, and in this one, it's a very, very bright card with two towers in the background and a field of white roses. Beautiful, and and there's this this and this angel in white robes with a, a white unicorn standing next to him, with his arms out wide and a halo around his head, just smiling, welcoming you. Kind of, it looks like the like the the gates to heaven, you know, the gates to paradise. And it says endings that lead to new beginnings. The need to release situations or people that hold you back in spiritual transformation. So this is this is representing kind of what I was speaking of that that what we fear in death is actually the thing that we need. You know, that release. I'm not I'm not talking physically. I hope you understand that. <laughs> I'm talking spiritually, metaphorically. The you know, metaphorically, we need to all release this feeling that we need to control things, this feeling that we need to hold on to something, something we don't even know what it is. You know, Azrael is here to let you, to help you, to guide you, to let you know that you're going to be, you're going to be safe if you let go, right? You're going to be okay. And that's something that I'm working on right now, you know, because I'm going through a breakup, um, a really, really, really difficult breakup. And so I'm, Right now, these cards, like I said, as as for you, they're for me. 
I'm trying to release right now so that I can renew. And my Eight of Pentacles is this. Right? It's, it's the music that I'm creating. So, what I see for you guys, to sum it all up, going through all that, is this is a time for you to rest. This is a time for you to go inward, not outward. It's not a time to go and distract yourself. It's not a time to go and um, focus on what's around you. It's a time for you to focus on you and only you. It's actually a time for somewhat... It's a time for if you're supposed to be selfish, this is when you're supposed to do it. Right? Um, this is a time for self-love and self-reflection and recognition of what you've been through. You know, autumn isn't just about letting go of the old past and the leaves and saying bye-bye. It's about recognizing what those leaves went through. It's about recognizing that you held on to those leaves for a year. That they were with you through all of this, all of these changes every day, different weather, right? That just because they're old doesn't mean you don't love them. Just because you're letting go of them doesn't mean they're gone. There will be leaves again. There will be. Right? So let go of the old ones. Let those new ones renew you. Right? Let the earth, let the mother catch you. And in that process, while you're being caught and while you're being held, just focus on what you love, what you're good at. And before you know it, you'll be back into springtime. You'll be seeing the things, the seeds that you planted blossom. So that's the energy to lead us into uh, our reading or a reading. I guess that is our reading for today, but our podcast today. Uh, I hope that's helpful, guys. I hope it's not too confusing for you, but um, definitely let me know. Um, I don't have a lot of social media up right now. I have, I think I still have the Facebook page up, but it, everything got jumbled in the last year and a half. So um, if you want to try to reach out on the Facebook page, I think I, you can still reach out on that. Let's go with the Facebook page for now. Oh, I'm sorry. The Instagram page, go with the Instagram page for now, but let me know if you have any questions or anything like that on there. Uh, I'll probably start doing readings like individual readings like this, um, with just the readings on Instagram and possibly like TikTok or something. I'm not sure, but, um, definitely YouTube, uh, because I like I enjoy doing the readings themselves too. So that's one of the ways I'm expanding. So what, what ways are you going to expand, right? What, 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 ways, what, what ways do you want to actualize yourself, right? Think about those. You don't have to do them right now, but just think about those things. Okay, I'm going to get out of that mindset and back into one of focusing on the topic for today, which was loneliness and what it means. And we really kind of already keyed on it. You know, I find it interesting how the cards tend to lead you down the same route that you were going anyway. You know, they work. But loneliness, I guess the um, best way to do it is maybe define it for ourselves real quick. So what is loneliness? This definition. Let's see what it comes up with. And it's interesting. Um, it says sadness because one has no friends or company. Feelings of depression and loneliness. A place, the quality of being unfrequented and remote. Isolation. I'm going to go to um, Wikipedia, see if we can get down a rabbit hole. Um, it says, loneliness, this is Wikipedia. Loneliness is an unpleasant emotional response to perceived isolation. Loneliness is also described as social pain, 
a psychological mechanism which motivates individuals to seek social connections, is often associated with with an unwanted lack of connection and intimacy. Loneliness overlaps and yet is distinct from solitude. Solitude is simply the state of being apart from from others. Not everyone who experiences solitude feels lonely. As a subject, emotion, as a subjective emotion, loneliness can be felt even when a person is surrounded by other people. And that is very interesting. So that speaks to it not being a physical state, right? If you can feel loneliness in a crowded room, then what is the feeling of loneliness? Because it's not about being around people. What is it then? Right? The causes of loneliness are varied. Loneliness, I'm having a hard time speaking this morning. Loneliness can be a result of genetic inheritance, cultural factors, a lack of meaningful relationships, a significant loss, an excessive reliance on passive technologies, notably the internet in the 21st century, or a self-perpetuating mindset. Research has shown that loneliness is found throughout society, including among people in marriages, along with other strong relationships, and those with successful careers. Most people experience loneliness at some point in their lives, and some feel it very often. The effects of loneliness are also varied. Transient loneliness, loneliness which exists, that's a very hard word to say, by the way, over and over again. Transient loneliness, loneliness, which exists for a short period of time, is related to positive effects, including an increased focus on the strength of one's relationships. Chronic loneliness, Loneliness, which exists for a significant amount of time in one's life, is generally correlated with negative effects, including increased obesity, risk of depression, cardiovascular disease, risk of high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. Chronic loneliness is also correlated with an increased risk of death and suicidal thoughts. Medical treatments for loneliness include beginning therapy and taking antidepressants. Social treatments for loneliness generally include an increase in interaction with with others, such as group activities re-engaging with old friends or colleagues and becoming more connected with one's community. Other social treatments for loneliness include ownership of pets and loneliness design technologies such as meetup services or social robots, although the use of some technologies in order to com- combat loneliness is debated. I think I might debate the social robot one. I don't know if that would really help fundamentally with what we're talking about, but <laughs> hey. Loneliness has to each their own, right? Loneliness has long been a theme in literature, going back to the epic of Gilgamesh. However, academic coverage of loneliness was sparse until recent decades. In the 21st century, some academics and professionals have claimed that loneliness has been an epidemic, including Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States. Interesting. However, this claim has been disputed, with critics critics arguing that loneliness has not increased, but rather only academic focus on the topic is. Well, I'd have to debate that, because I do believe that the feeling of loneliness maybe hasn't increased, but we're much more aware of it because we've ignored it. You know, here's some causes. This is interesting. So here's the causes listed for us. It's causes of loneliness, existential cause. Loneliness has long been viewed as a universal condition, which, at least to a moderate extent, is felt by everyone. From this perspective, some degree of loneliness is inevitable as the limitations of human life mean it is impossible for anyone to continually satisfy their inherent need for connection. So loneliness roots in connection, right? But not physical connection, because you can be surrounded by people and still feel lonely. So what kind of connection? Professors including Michael A. Carter and Ben Lazare Majeskovic have written books and essays tracking the existential perspective and the many writers who've talked about it through history. Thomas Wolfe's 1930 essay, God's Lonely Man, 
is frequently discussed in this regard. Wolf makes the case that everyone imagines they are lonely in a special way, unique to themselves, whereas really every single person sometimes experiences loneliness. While agreeing that loneliness alleviation can be a good thing, those who take the existential view tend to doubt such efforts can ever be fully successful. Seeing some level of loneliness is both unavoidable and even beneficial, as it can help people appreciate the joy of living. That's a very dualistic way to look at it, look at it, right? So, I think this is the the route that I want to take it to begin with, looking looking at it more existentially, um, because it doesn't necessarily have like a spiritual listing here. Um, there was this this idea um, in this last passage here where it talked about loneliness um, and connection being related, but like I said, it was also speaking earlier about you can feel lonely in a crowded room. So that means that, you know, if you're physically around people, that isn't enough to quell the feeling of loneliness. It's a deeper feeling than just needing to be around people, which I think is actually, even though it seems pretty trivial, it's like, yeah, duh, kind of, kind of makes, but if you think about it, we, we assume that that's the solution. You will automatically, when you feel lonely, you will automatically assume the way to solve that feeling is to get somebody around you. Just anybody. Doesn't matter who it is, just get anybody around me. That's who I want. <laughs> but it doesn't work. It never works. Because you're not connected with those people. You know? Um we are all we are all connected in a certain in a certain way, right? But um that's not the connection you're craving, is just anybody. You know, you came here with a specific purpose. You're a specific thing. That's why people fall in love with specific people. <laughs> right that's why you make friends with some people and don't make friends with others you're specific and the people that you're going to resonate with are specific so you have to look for them you can't just be like ah that one you know you're going to get the same amount of effort you put into it back right you put in uh that one much effort you're going to get uh that one much satisfaction <laughs> see what i'm saying you know what i mean There's, there's an intent um, that is necessary in the connections that you maintain that if you want to solve this feeling of loneliness. So we can't just look for people or anybody. We have to look for connection. We have to, we have to look for resonance, right? Uh, someone that resonates on the same frequency that we're on. So why does that solve it then? If, if it's somebody that, we, that, under, that, that resonates with us, but not somebody that's not just anybody, why is that the case? And I, I think it speaks to what, what loneliness is at a fundamental level. It's a, it is a, it's a spiritual pain. It's not a, it's not a physical pain. It's not even, I mean, existentially, I guess, is the best way you could put it. It is, it is a spiritual pain. You know, that you can't solve through physical means. I like to do the experiment, thought experiment of, of, it actually is one of the reasons why, when I try to think about why God made this, if you try to simplify the universe and do the thought of experiment of you as God and then thinking of, okay, well, why would I make a creation like whatever this is? You know, if I was God, why would I do this? <laughs> why would I, why would I make, you know, up and down and left and right and good and bad and, and people period, you know, and, and fucking whatever else you can look at like lollipops and rocks and and what just everything you could look you could you could look at it in a beautiful way like god that's so cool like who would make that and you could also look at it like why would you make that you know like why would you make mountains a thing why don't we just have flat stuff you know why did you make wet things why don't we just have hot stuff 
You know, like, why don't we have nothing? Why do we have any of it? You keep asking these questions long enough, then you're like, shit, why, why would a God make this? And then you start to think about, if you're a God, is there other gods? That's at least what I've done. Okay, I'm God. I'm sitting there. All of this stuff that I think I can see, there's nothing, right? There's just being, just God. I'm just God. And there's no other gods that I can know of right now. Maybe there is, but I don't know about them, right? And I'm, there's no light. There's no dark. There's no up. There's no down. There's just me. This thing called God. There's just me. What would you want? What would you feel in that moment? I think the reason that every single person in this world and why they're arguing right here that loneliness is not something you can ever get rid of is because it is the fundamental pain of God. It's one of the fundamental reasons for existence itself. What I've come to believe, at least at this point, is that that's kind of why God did what God did. At least the simplest way that you could understand it, our our simple minds could understand it, is that if you're an unlimited thing, if you're something that literally by definition has no limitations, what do you want? And the answer is, I think, to be limited. To be what you aren't. If you're the alpha, the mega, the only, you want to be the opposite of that. You want to know what it feels like to be the the masses. You want to know what it feels like to be segmented from yourself. You don't want to feel lonely. So you create something that makes you not feel lonely. You know, this world seems horrible in so many ways when you, depending on what perspective, you know, if you're in that dark night of the soul or you're in the shadow, you know, the world can seem so overwhelmingly dark, you know, at times it can literally turn into hell. And a lot of times when you're in those hells is when you'll feel (laughs) this feeling of loneliness the worst, you know, you'll feel like, oh my God, I'm alone. Oh my God, I'm really, I'm alone. That really is what you say inside too, is, oh my God, I'm alone. I think loneliness might be the deepest form of remembering that we can do about the existential pain that we feel. You know, what if the truth is that, you know, God is lonely? What if the truth is that if you're a god, there's not many other gods, or maybe there isn't any other gods? And so, the beauty that is the world, that is the universe, that is creation itself, is a specifically intentionally made compartmentalization of an infinite thing. So that the infinite thing can learn more about itself and can soothe, maybe learn how to release an existential feeling like loneliness. You know, we are all recognizing the same thing, that you're never truly alone. You know, in this world, you're never truly alone. I will argue that loneliness is one of the deepest fears people have. 
one of the deepest fears, the deepest fear I think people have in general, human beings, is being alone. And you can say that to people, and I think most people, I've said it before to people, and I've, I've had reactions, mixed reactions. A lot of times it's more like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good on my own. I'm pretty self-sufficient. You know, people think about it at the surface level. No, I'm self-sufficient. I could do this. I can make it on my own. I'd be all right. A lot of people actually think of it in a positive way if they have a lot of people around them, you know, or if they feel like a lot of people are, 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 are affecting their ability to make decisions or whatever it is. They'll be like, well, I wish I was alone sometime because then I could just make my own decisions. It's like, well, be careful what you wish for. Because there is a benefit to that. Uh, but you're forgetting when you're in that moment that one of the fundamental pains of this world is loneliness. And you may have been without it for long enough that you forgot how painful it is. You know, and that's usually when you have to learn about it again. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it's been frustrating for me as an individual because loneliness is this feeling that I've become intimately familiar with. When I say I've spent a lot of time alone, I've spent a lot of time alone, really alone. You know, I think people say that. They say, I, I, I'd be okay alone. But do you really know yourself when you're alone? Have you ever really been alone? People like to say yes. But usually when I push or prod that, it's like, yeah, I was, I've been for a day. You know, I'd love to be alone, just have a day to myself. You know, it's usually in that context. Okay, what if you couldn't choose how long you were alone? What if the alone was months at a time? Play the thought experiment of pushing yourself on Mars with no other person and imagine not seeing anybody ever again. Now tell me that you like being alone. You don't like being alone. It's your deepest fear. It's the one you don't want to confront. It's the one nobody wants to confront. It will tear you apart and break you down. That quietness, that stillness, where there's nothing else but you in your head and all of the things that you've been avoiding for however long you've been avoiding them. They don't go away. They just get louder. I remember about a couple years ago when I started this podcast I was in a very similar space to where I am now I was kind of had been in a desperate place a very depressed place you know and I was healing over you know wounds issues that I'd had with other people in my life and was alone I had to make decisions to cut people out of my life uh, when I started the podcast. And it was really, really hard to do because at the time when I did it, I didn't have anybody else. You know, really. And so I had to make the choice to just move on from this friend that I had that was not being good to me. You know, and I remember making that decision and being terrified. Absolutely fucking terrified because I knew that in order for me to let go of the person that I had recognized was just hurting me and was being very malicious to me, I had to let go of all of the things I liked about them. Like, uh, not that I had to let go of it, but I had to let go of the, the expectation that those things would overshadow the negatives. 
you know, um, this is an empath's struggle, I think. And if any of you are empaths, you'll understand. But when you feel for other people, I mean, if you have those psychic abilities, it can get very confusing very quickly. And when you really care for somebody, you really love somebody, you don't want to see their negative qualities. You know, you, you want to root for them to be the version of themselves that you see, the higher version. And so I've gotten myself in these situations continually throughout life where I've befriended people where that I've seen the higher version in, right? That I've, I've seen as beautiful people because everybody is beautiful. Everybody has this aspect to them. But that they didn't see themselves that way. And so I became something like a cheerleader that nobody listened to. You know, and the more I would start to, you know, try and cultivate or, or relate to these people the beauty that I was seeing, the more I would get either kind of attacked myself or ran away from or abandoned or, you know, you, you name it. A myriad of reactions that don't make sense when you're trying to express that you love somebody. Uh, and that really messed me up for a while, you know, for a long time trying to figure out why if you're if you're if you're if your intention is one thing if your intention is to show love and to embrace somebody for the qualities that you see that maybe they don't even see themselves how is that a bad thing and what i've come to is that and it's a really hard lesson to learn is that you can't make you there's unfortunately there's not really a good mirror that I can hold up to people to show them that the only way I can show them that is through myself. You know, you can't make anybody see anything. Whatever you believe, you believe whatever your truth is, is your truth. I can do nothing about that. So many people in this world confuse their ability to manipulate and affect other people, you know, politically, uh, marketing, all of this. The entire world is designed on affecting you and controlling you. And they do that through keeping you running in a rat race and keeping you full and fat and happy so that you're predictable. But when you listen to yourself and your guides and you recognize that you're divine, and you, you listen to your own intuition and what you love, you're not controllable then. You know, there's nothing that can control you because it, nobody can tell you what you are. Nobody can tell you what you saw. Nobody can tell you what you feel. And there is an autonomy in that that is dangerous to anybody that wants to control you. Especially when a lot of people all believe that at the same time. It's why John Lennon was murdered. I believe. You know, it's more conspiratorial. But, you know, the... The most powerful people in our society are not the people that try to f seek power. The most powerful people in our society are the ones that recognize this, I think. That they have no power to do anything about affecting your perspective. <laughs> All they can do is provide their own and see who resonates with it. And if you tap into the right part of yourself, we all are the same thing. It's, it's not that complicated. Why do you see the same message? Why is everybody attracted to a similar message? You know, this message of love and peace and harmony. Why is it so attractive to people regardless of the time frame and history? Where? Who says it? Who brings a message? Why is it a continual message that comes through? Because it is something that is true, that we all want, that we are scared of. But we're so scared of being alone <laughs> that we don't let ourselves hear 
We don't let ourselves feel what we actually want. We keep ourselves surrounded by people constantly. And this is something I don't mean to criticize because some people don't have the ability to get away from people to actually even experience this. Not that you necessarily want to, I'm just saying, but if like there's a lot of if you have kids or you're you, you know you're you're married you know and and there's no I mean you're just around people right god that 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 lack of that lack of that though is not what it seems like it is <laughs> it's not fun you know i know there's been times in my life where i've been so uh overwhelmed with my with what's going on and and it's just like i just want to break I, actually there was a, a point in time not too long ago in this last relationship where I was really feeling overwhelmed and I, you know, you know my partner, partner at the time told me like, Hey, go take a break. Go, go, uh, you know, go camping, you know, go do something. And I was like, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And I, I got all packed up, you know, I got everything put into the truck and went down and bought food and got cooler and ice and everything. And I drove all the way up to Sedona <laughs> went to find a camping spot and I'm sitting there and I go to get out I get to the spot and I get and I stand out there and I stand there for about 15-20 seconds and I'm like nope don't want to do this and at the time I was telling myself because I just I was like oh I don't need it I don't need it I don't need it I, I thought I needed this but I don't really need it you know once I got out there I didn't really need it I just wanted to go back I just you know I missed my partner and I missed my family and I wanted to go back home right away and I was like I just you know I got homesick right real quick then I, you know, and I told myself it was because I just didn't need it. But in retrospect, oh, absolutely, I needed a break. You know, I needed a time to just be by myself. But what really got me was this loneliness. I, t- I took about 30 seconds of it. I was like, fuck that. I'm gone. <laughs> Screw that. I'm going to go right back. I may be super stressed out. I may feel like I need a break. I'm all of that, but I am, I'm worthy to feel all of those other feelings over 15 seconds of loneliness. That's how bad that feeling feels, you know, to people. We're willing to sacrifice, kind of willing to keep ourselves, you know, whether it's in uh, uh, bad or abusive relationships or in bad uh, environments work wise or, um, you know, it, whatever it is, it, abusing um, television. <laughs> You know, like like watching too much TV. I think a lot of people do that because they're fucking lonely. You know, I realized that my, in myself this last month, you know, because I've been literally just been by myself. I've, I've seen one person that I know in the last month for about 30 minutes, you know. <laughs> so when you don't see anybody that you know for that long, it's it's kind of like. You want to, you want to feel like you're not alone. And, and one of the ways I recognized I started to try to fill that void was by turning on the TV and just watching other people, you know, not necessarily other people, but like the shows where it's like reality based shows where you feel like you're interacting with people, you know, you can get to know somebody, you know, or the dynamics going on. You can feel like you're interacting in a social group. Those are the kind of shows that make you feel less lonely. And what do people get addicted to in the modern world? You know, it's a lot of reality TV, right? That's, that's a lot of what we see right now is, is, is this reality-based television. It's, it was really popular in the early 2000s, but it's still still going. And I think that's why. It's because there's a lot of lonely fucking people in this world, and it fills a void that shouldn't be filled that way. It's, it's meant to be felt, and it's meant to be recognized so that you can see whatever you need to see. I don't know what that is specifically for you, but like the, the feeling of loneliness is hiding your truth. You know? Um, the quiet the stillness, the calm, 
the peace and the serenity and what comes through in those moments that is is your truth and I feel like You know, if the sacrifice for getting to who you truly are is to feel lonely for a while, it's worth the sacrifice. You know, it's not something to be afraid of. It's time that we as a society start to cultivate these feelings that are maybe perceived as negative. You know, this is this podcast is called, called Unfounded because because there's so much in this world that is unfounded that's presented as not it's a good example of of us just assuming because of the way things feel on a surface level that that defines their innate quality like if loneliness feels bad then it is innately bad you know and if we go off of I mean, and it's funny because at one level we know that that doesn't work because if you continue to go down the road feeling that, then you're going to do a lot of horrible shit because it feels good, right? It's the way you produce like a narcissist of sorts. But that's how we perceive the negative emotions. We process the negative emotions like, I don't want to feel that. You know, we process the negative feeling and associate it with emotion. We say we don't want to feel those emotions. But then we feel the positive feeling of emotions and we'll allow that to happen regardless of their effect. So like I was saying with anger, it feels good to feel angry and we'll usually allow ourselves to embody anger regardless of the situation, even if it has a negative effect because it feels good. To feel angry, it feels good. To feel lonely, it feels bad. So we don't allow ourselves to feel lonely. We think lonely is bad feeling. And if we're feeling lonely, then we must be bad, <laughs> right? And that all stems from deep insecurity, that you are alone. You actually believe that you're alone. Because this world tells you you're alone. The only thing, it, it, it tells you you're a machine. You're just a combination of atoms in some random order and because some asteroid smashed into the Earth millions of years ago and left some microform of life in here in, a, in a, a soup of sorts that could blossom and grow into this kind of life that you now have a consciousness and that's what the meaning of life is. There's not, not only is there no meaning in there, in there there's, 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 there's no value in that thought experiment. Sure, we can tell how things will develop, but it doesn't tell us anything about what this is. Evolution is, 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 is necessary for us to understand certain aspects of the physical plane, but it's completely and utterly unable to explain the meaning of life, which is why science is so utterly disappointing from an existential standpoint, why it's so trivial that people turn it into a religion, because if, if it is a religion, it's the worst one. <laughs> because the only thing it believes in is a certain type of method. You know, it's uh There's an awakening going on at a global scale. Because we created a a world that made people feel lonely. <laughs> You know, whoops, somebody messed up. <laughs> you know, the quickest way you can wake people up is by making them feel lonely. And this culture is filled with the feeling of loneliness, 
of isolation, you know, so much so that they're trying to make robots, like they were saying up here, to serve as social robots to make people feel better, to feel more connected, you know. I don't know why that feels dirty to me. We don't need to create something to feel connected. We just need to talk to another living person and have a, even an ounce of vulnerability in those conversations. It really is so frustrating that people don't understand how similar we are. We are the same thing. What you are afraid of, what your deepest fear is, is no different than everybody else's. It's loneliness. It's the reason why the punishment for people that are already being punished is isolation. If you've already fucked up and you're already in jail, you've already done everything, how do they pre- how do they punish the people that are already being punished? They put them in an isolation chain. Universal punishment. Universal pain that is so unbearable it'll cause somebody to go crazy very quick. It'll cause somebody to lose track of reality very quick. That really speaks of something fundamental that I think we don't recognize. So in the context of what we were talking about in the reading today, guys, too, like what is your loneliness? What makes you feel alone? You know, do you feel alone right now? And if you do, what are you doing to help you not feel alone? Are those things healthy? You know? And how could you really help that that feeling? Is it by running away or, or kind of medicating it out of existence? Or is it by sitting with it? Are you supposed to feel that way? You know, we feel like if it feels bad, we're not supposed to feel this way. We need to change it. We need to go get help. We need to talk to a psychologist. I feel lonely. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Help me. Fix me. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. That you. This is a natural human emotion. Not only is it natural human emotion, this is a fundamental existence emotion. This is a God emotion. This is the feeling of being a thing, of having a consciousness. The price is loneliness, is the risk of being alone, is the fear of being awake and having nobody else that is. It is the ultimate nightmare. And it is everybody's nightmare because we are all the same thing. Don't be afraid of that feeling. Go into it. Embrace it. Let the silence take you over. See what happens. See if you just suddenly pop out of existence because there's nobody to talk to. Or do you continue to be a thing? See if all of the judgments you've placed on yourself... See if they are still there after two weeks or three weeks or four weeks of not talking to anybody else. See if you can detach from social media for a week or two. You know, that's the other way we feel it. You know, people get lonely and they go on social media. Everybody's so lonely, we just scroll, 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 scroll. Why do we scroll? Because we, we're filling, we're filling that void. It's a hole inside of us. We're filling that void. That's why people look at porn too. They do the exact same thing. It's a loneliness. But we truly aren't alone, folks. 
know, I say this and I'm lonely as I speak this. I'm not speaking from an experience. I am alone as I say it. In the physical world. But I am not alone. And neither are you. You know, the messages I'm bringing through the tarot, the angels that I've spoke of, the pages I've read out of the Buddha book, these are all things talking to you, not just me. These are all things talking to me, not just me talking to myself. Embody the quietness for a while, talk to yourself for a while, and you'll realize that there's other things talking. And it's like, once you get to that place, it doesn't just take the loneliness away. I still feel lonely. But it, put, it, it puts it into context, kind of like what I think we've been doing in this episode. You know, okay, if this is a fundamental experience, if this is something God's feeling, then there's no way I'm going to be able to eliminate it. So what's the purpose of it? It's appreciation. It's gratitude. Kind of like what this was saying. I agree with this last sentence. While agreeing that loneliness alleviation can be a good thing, those who take the existential view tend to doubt such efforts can ever be fully successful. Seeing some level of loneliness as both unavoidable and even beneficial, as it can help people appreciate the joy of living. Think about that. A God, a single thing, going from feeling only loneliness to having the revelation that if it segments itself, it can create joy. It can't eliminate the loneliness, but it can create joy. It can create living. It can create everything that you've experienced in your life and everything every single living being in the universe has ever experienced. Isn't that amazing? That's the value of loneliness. That's why you should feel it. Because there's a beauty in it, folks. There's a beauty in it, just like I was saying last night or last episode. There's a beauty in the darkness. Don't be afraid of your shadow. Don't run away from it anymore. Don't pretend like you are the only one that feels that way. Don't lie to yourself and tell yourself that you've been honest with yourself your whole life, you know, and honest with other people. Don't pretend that you're not lying because you are. We always are. We always are. We're always this. Lonely. Terrified of figuring that out again. Desperately searching for the joy we were trying to create. But if we keep on focusing on the fact that we feel loneliness, period, as representative of us not being able to live in joy, then there's no way fundamentally we can ever feel the opposite feeling. We stick ourselves in this loneliness soup and we sit in it like a hot tub, bathing in it. That's what the society forces us to do. That's what this world forces us to do is sit in this loneliness. A world, like I was saying in that poem, it feels like you're standing in a crowded room screaming and nobody's looking up. It's a quote from, it's a quote from Titanic. Okay. Maybe I should just stop screaming. Maybe just sit. 
Control is a hard thing to let go of. It's a hard thing to identify where you're controlling things. Exceedingly hard. I'm being drawn to Thomas Wolfe right now for some reason. This uh, There's a guy, he's looking at me really intensely, this picture is. Um, he, was, he was one of the people that wrote God's Lonely Man here. I'm going to click on him for some reason. He seems like maybe he's an interesting figure. I've read quotes from him before. I'm just not familiar. He looks very... You ever looked at a picture and you look at somebody and you really recognize him? Um, that's the feeling I'm having with this guy. He was His name's Thomas Clayton Wolfe. He was born October 3rd, 1900. Interesting, 1900. Nashville, North Carolina. And he died in 1938, so he died at 37. Interesting. Anyway, Thomas Clayton Wolfe was an American novelist of the early 20th century. Wolf wrote four lengthy novels as well as many short stories, dramatic works, and novellas. So Wolf might be talking to us right now, guys. That's what I'm getting the feeling. That's why he's he's probably who's coming through right now. He is known for mixing highly original, poetic, rhapsodic, and impressionistic prose with autobiographical writing. Very interesting. <laughs> His books, written and published from the 1920s and 1940s, vividly reflect an American culture and mores of that period, filtered through Wolf's sensitive, sophisticated, hyper-analytical perspective. After Wolf's death, contemporary author William Faulkner said that Wolf might have been the greatest talent of their generation for aiming higher than any other writer. Wolf's influence extends to the writings of Beat Generation, writer Jack Kirak, and authors Ray Bradbury and Philip Roth, among others. He remains an important writer in modern American literature and is one of the first masters of autobiographical fiction. What is that? An autobiographical no- novel is a form of novel using on auto-fiction techniques or the merging of autobiographical and fictional elements. It's interesting. And is considered North Carolina's most famous writer. Okay, so sorry guys, I was drawn to that. Um, I'm very interested in his work. Um, specifically that book that he was talking about. Uh, let's see here. Anyway. That's... I have a feeling that that's somebody who's trying to break through right now. Um, an ascended master that I was talking about earlier, you know, um, when they pop out like that, it usually means one of them's trying to talk. Let's look if we can find God's lonely man. Lonely man. God's lonely man quotes. I guess maybe there's a quote from this we need to find. That's what it sounds like. All right, this is from God's Lonely Man. I'm going to read a couple of these because I feel drawn to read some quotes from him. It says, The whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness, far from being a rare and curious phenomenon, peculiar to myself and to few other solitary men, is the central and inevitable fact of human existence. Amen, Thomas Wolfe. That's, I think, what I'm trying to say, too. I don't think there's any more fundamental feeling than the feeling of loneliness. The whole conviction of my life now rests upon... Oh, that's the same one. For I have found that constant, everlasting weather of man's life to be not love, but loneliness. Love itself is not the weather of our lives. It is the rare, the precious flower. Sometimes it is the flower that gives us life, that breaches the dark walls of all of our loneliness and restores us to the fellowship of life, the family of the earth, the brotherhood of man. But sometimes love is the flower that brings us death. And from it, we get pain and darkness and the mutilations of the soul and the maddening of the brain may be in it. That is beautiful. I need to read this book. 
suggest it, I think, to anybody that's listening because it sounds like it's got some gems in it. Here's the last one I'll read to you. This is also from God's Lonely Man. The huge, dark wall of loneliness is around him now. It encloses and presses in upon him, and he cannot escape. And the cancerous plant of memory is feeding at his entrails, recalling hundreds of forgotten faces in ten thousand vanished days, until all life seems as strange and insubstantial as a dream. Man, when you sit with that loneliness, it really messes with your perception of reality. The solidness of this place starts to go away. You know? The physical plane isn't as real as we like to think. Real isn't a word that we've really defined well. What does real mean? What is the definition of real? Definition of real. It means to actually existing or a thing or occurring in fact, not imagined or supposed. So this is assuming that because we view something, so what is in fact actually existing? What does it mean to actually exist? Well, in this, by this definition, it's, it's talking about what, like the physical uh, way we view the world, right? Like the matter-based things. So if it's something that is established in matter, through matter, by this definition, it is real. But are there things that are not established in matter? Yes, there are. A good example of those would be your thoughts. Every thought you've ever had is not based in matter. It's based in energy. Even though science would like to say that it comes from your brain, it does not come from your brain. Your brain is the receiver. It's the radio. It's not produced there. The energy isn't produced there. You can't create energy or destroy energy. That's a fundamental law of science. So how could a brain create energy? It doesn't. It receives it. So is a thought real? It's not based in matter. Does it actually exist? Yes. Our definition of real isn't real. <laughs> and that's usually what people will come at, at you with when you try to talk about spiritual stuff or tarot or whatever it is. That's not real or this isn't real or angels aren't real or aliens don't exist or whatever this is. It's like, okay, well, what's your version of real then? Explain to me what real is. You explain to me how your thought is real. You know? Explain to me how your past experiences are real because they don't exist physically. They're not here. You think they're real. You'll tell me it happened as if it is real, but it's not real. Not by your definition. Not by the one you're giving me. So what's real? You know, that's, that's a question that we have to answer. And I think as a society, we've done a shitty job of answering. The better a better answer to that is nothing is real by that definition. There's nothing that's actually real, you know. There's, <laughs> there's, there's this. There's matter, and in the three D perspective, you can see it, you know. <laughs> but the only thing that's real, I think, if we want to talk about it, the only thing that's real is what you get down to when you are in when there's nothing else. 
when you're isolated, when you're alone, the only thing that's real is what you feel then. And what do you feel then? You feel loneliness. You don't feel love. Not initially, at least. So it's maybe... That's a good way to put it, is that loneliness and love... You know, we usually say that hatred is the opposite of love. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe the opposite of love is loneliness. You know, if loneliness is about connection and love is about connection, then they are two sides of the same coin. In order to feel love in your life, you're going to have to feel alone. And if you want to have a big love in your life, you're going to have to feel a big alone. Right? That's just the way this is designed. Up, down, left, right. So, dream big. Right? Dream big. Recognize what that entails. If you want the top of the mountain, it's yours. Walk there. Right? Go through the pain of hiking. It's always yours. You know, you sit in that loneliness for long enough, you realize the only thing stopping you from actualizing yourself is you. This was never any of these other people or these things or this world, you know. I, I speak frustrated at the world often, right? But it's not the world's fault. The world is a reflection of me, not the other way around. The world is a reflection of you, too. The world is this way because we are this way. Not because some person behind a desk decided to manipulate it into this. Nobody has that much power, unfortunately. A lot of people want it. And a lot of people have tried to have that much power. And we've seen how that's gone for them. <laughs> They're not enough. Nobody is. They're never enough. You know? It's, it's really interesting to view those people as the loneliest people. You know, they say they have that saying, it's loneliest towards the top. You know, you get to the top and it gets lonely. Why? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, people stop viewing you as valuable innately for the qualities that you have and start viewing you valuable for your position, right? It's hard to find people that are attracted to you fundamentally for what you are. So that becomes lonely. And then there's also an aspect of it that as you get to the top, you achieve the things that you thought would make you feel less lonely. And you fit those pieces in and you realize that there's still a void. You know, people often criticize celebrities for losing their minds or going through these dark nights of the soul on the national stage. And it's like, well, what the fuck you think's going to happen? You would be doing the same thing or worse if you got everything you wanted. It is not what you want. You, if, you, if you won the lottery tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, you would be more depressed than you could ever imagine. <laughs> Because you would have realized at that point that you still feel lonely and you have everything you thought would fix it. You know? Or if it was just money, then you might, if you're like most people, just say, oh, it wasn't that, then it must be something else. I must need fame. I must need more power. I must need a bigger house. I must need a bigger car. And we'll just keep going down that cycle and, until we die. You know? And then we come back and reincarnate and try to learn the same lesson again. 
what I'm learning and cultivating right now for myself, and I hope this will help you as listeners, is in that lonely space, if there is anybody out there that is in that with themselves, is isolated like I am right now, I'm, first of all, I'm here with you. You aren't alone, even in the physical world. Like I'm, I'm right here with you, in the same spot. You don't have to feel alone, because you're not. Even if you want to look at it at a purely, purely physical standpoint, I'm literally right here, talking with you. But at a higher level, there are real things in the way that the word, the term real should actually be defined. Things that actually exist, whether they're physically based or not, they are around you. If you need advice, you can talk to people that have lived before us. They aren't gone. They've just shifted energies. Thomas Wolfe is talking to you right now. Right? And maybe you're not lonely, or maybe you are in this place where you're around a lot of people, or you don't feel that right now. And you're maybe you're sitting there like, I, I don't know, Chris. I don't really feel what you're feeling. Like, it's an interesting topic and all that, but I, you know, I didn't feel, I don't feel lonely right now. Well, I think the thing I'd ask you, if you don't feel it right now, I'm, you don't necessarily have to, I don't want you to, you know, <laughs> not like, well, well, make yourself lonely, please, so you can understand my concept. <laughs> no, it's more like, well, just, you have been, you know you have been, right? Look for despair in your life. You know, there's a lot of ways you can find loneliness. Look for the feeling of despair. That's one of the easiest ways. Feelings when you've been, ah, scream at the sky, kind of mad. You know, if you've never gotten there, then maybe you've got too many distractions around you. And it'd be beneficial for you to try to eliminate some of those so you can start to go into this intentionally by choice instead of waiting for it to happen unintentionally, which is a lot more painful. Because it does happen either way. This is the truth. If you see people around you in your life that look like they got it figured out and they're just going around that wheel... And you're like, man, but if I could only do this, if I could only do my job that way, or if I could only look or dress or walk or talk or act like that person, I'd be perfectly fine. Nope, you're wrong. You're still going to feel lonely. Even if you acted exactly like them, even if you nailed every aspect of them, which you can't because you're not them, but if you, even if you did, you'd still feel lonely. It still wouldn't be enough. So what's the message in that? Because I feel like I'm sitting here kind of talking over the same point and I'm, I'm looking for like a positive message in that and maybe the point is that there isn't necessarily a positive message it's just a reality there's so often in life that we want to look for the good and the bad the right and the wrong the up and the down and it's like yes this 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 3d that's that's how it works correct yes up down left right but everything isn't that the truths we are looking for as a civilization aren't up, down, left, right. They're not good and bad. It's not black and white. The universe is not black and white. The universe is much more complicated than we like to think, and it's also simpler than we like to think in some ways. You know? But we can take solace in the fact that we are not alone in our feeling of being alone. God, that's such a, like a catch-22, right? It's interesting because I have this right here too. You know, if you're alone, 
How could you feel better by knowing that other people are alone too? Everybody feels that. Well, because that's that really is. In, in that, you recognize you aren't. You've never been, you know? You know, the whole reason you exist, the whole reason we're in this world and we're seeing everything we're seeing and we experience what we experience is because we're not meant to feel that loneliness. This is about not feeling that. This is about enjoying the joy that is created out of the loneliness that God felt. Existence is meant to be enjoyed. It's not apocalyptic. It's not a train that's going to run off the rails. It's an ongoing process that is happening now and is always happening now. And it never happened then, back then, and it's never going to happen in the future. It happens right now, every single time. It's happening now. The pain from your past is already gone. It was gone as soon as you felt it. It is our inability to let go of that it's our inability to recognize that something can happen and then be done 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 and really be done you know we can't let go of things that end you know we don't want to say goodbye because we don't have we don't like this concept of ah i gotta let go of something ah why don't we want to let go of it because we're scared of being alone we don't want to let go of it because we don't want to feel that ah i'm alone again ah let go that's exactly what we need to do all of us let go and recognize we always were together. <laughs> we were never separate. It's fucking hilarious. We've hid from ourselves. We've ran from ourselves. We've isolated ourselves. You know? It's like we started out as one thing, compartmentalized ourselves so that we didn't feel so alone, and then forgot that we did that and started to run away from the compartmentalizations and made ourselves feel alone again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So anyway, guys, I think I'm getting kind of to the, the end or wanting to wrap it up here. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, and loneliness. I know I'm feeling a little bit better. I have a couple things I want to read to you before I take off because I did I did do a uh, had a little somewhat of a poem or a little passage that I wrote the other day on loneliness uh, that kind of hit me just randomly and I thought it'd be interesting to read. So I got that. And then I was talking about Catch-22s and I have this song here that I wrote. Um, that I actually wrote when I was in the middle of uh, this last relationship and I was going through some really hard times some fights and stuff like that and I wrote this song called Try Catch 22 and it's very very uh, rough you know I, I wrote it very quickly in like 10 minutes so bear with me but I'm going to read that to you and just try to pull something out of that as well because I think it might be valuable so the first one this is by me this was written a couple days ago it's called Lonely Night and it says lonely is a feeling a yearning inside to find what is missing, an antidote to pride. For why is there pain when something's complete? We forget what we are, and so we compete. For the top of the mountain, the leader of the pack, when the mountain is moving and the peak at our back. So don't feel so lonely, you're not alone. We all miss that feeling. We all forget where is home. So tread in the darkness, don't give up the fight. Your will is your companion through that lonely night. So if you're feeling like you want to give up, like you all you see is darkness and you're alone, I want you to know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Your will is your companion. You didn't do anything wrong. You did everything you're supposed to be. 
that's the fundamental truth of the universe. You're feeling what you came from. You're remembering why you're here. It's to feel joy and compassion and connection and love. The reason you came here is to not feel this anymore. You're not meant to feel alone. You're meant to feel connected. That's why this exists. Your will in those moments is what will carry you forward. Your will is your guides. Your will is your angels. That urge to stand up one more time. That's what I call God. And it's beautiful. Always. Even in the darkness. It is the light. And all of us have the ability to see it. We just have to have our eyes open to it. So. Stand up. Open your eyes. This song is called Try Catch 22. We all believe enough to try. But we still want to know why. This life is so hard and people are so cold. But still effort seems to take hold. I think what I want. I feel what I need. I try, I try, I try to speak it into being. Nothing works, so I fall, letting go of nothing at all. Why do I push what effort is real when the outcome never matches what you feel? So try, try, try. Don't go back. Trying for you is a catch-22. I wrote this when I was in the middle of, like I said, a fight with my my ex-relationship. And um, I was realizing, I was having this recognition that the effort I was putting in, um, I was putting in because I was I wanted to make myself into something that somebody else wanted. You know, I uh, what I was trying to get across in this song was that because I didn't want to feel alone, because I didn't want to feel loneliness... I decided that it would be better to try to change myself into the version of me that I thought people would like better. Um, to change myself into the version of me that I actually thought would be morally right, which is why we have to get on the top of topic of morals at some point too. I judged myself based on the ways that I had been raised, based on the ways that people had treated me in my past, and then took those as truths and told myself that I was fundamentally wrong for being the thing I had been in the past and for feeling anything different than what the world tells me I should feel so that I started to try to be something that I thought I should be and it's in that trying to be something I thought I should be that I realized that when you try for somebody else or something else it is a catch-22 you know you're putting in effort to get to something that you don't actually want You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you don't try, uh, if you don't try to change yourself, you terrorize yourself because we don't understand the feeling of loneliness and we confuse it with an inadequacy, insecurity. And then we try to fill that void with other people by trying to change ourselves into the vision of what other people see us as. But the opposite version of that is changing yourself based on that 
and allowing something to do that. And that pain is a different kind of thing that I would argue is even more damaging, is damaging fundamentally. Whereas feeling lonely doesn't damage you if you allow yourself to just feel it. It actually frees you, it liberates you. So don't put yourself in a catch-22. You know, if you find yourself feeling that way, like you're stuck and you don't know which way to go and you feel like you can never be right, you feel like you're always wrong, you might be in that. You might have put yourself in a situation where you can't win. And it may be because you don't feel like you're enough. And I'm here to tell you that is completely and utterly normal. None of us feel like we're enough. Not even God. That's why you're here. So take solace in that. Love yourself. Be easy on yourself. And dream big. Because if you're feeling lonely, you got nowhere to go but up. You're right where you're supposed to be. And with that, folks... That's going to be the Unfounded Podcast for today. I am very happy uh, that you came and joined me. Thank you for listening to the reading and, uh, and to the talk on loneliness. I hope it was beneficial to you. I hope you took something out of it. I know I did. Um, you know, these things are really cathartic for me as I, you know, try to go through and, you know, intellectualize some of the lessons I've learned and understand, rationalize what I've been through in my own experience. Um, I hope it resonates with you and your experience and you can take something from it as well you know um i feel like that's my purpose and that's what i want to do in this world is help other people that are going through similar things that i'm going through because um the whole point of this is for us to not feel that feeling of loneliness so if i can connect with even one of you out there while you're going through that and let you know that there's another person like you out there, then that's what I want to do. And I hope that's what I'm doing. So with that being said, have a great rest of your day. And I uh, hope to be back on here very soon, hopefully tomorrow. Um, I like doing it in the morning like I did today. So I, I think if I get myself into routine of just waking up and doing this first thing in the morning, not only are the messages a little clearer because it tends to, you tend to be more connected to the astral realm when you first wake up. Um, but I also think I'll be more consistent in getting you guys episodes. So with that being said, have a good rest of your day. Lots of love. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.